Welcome to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. Religion for Life is co-produced by WEHC in Emory, Virginia, and WETS in Johnson City, Tennessee. My name is John Shuck, and I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. You can find information about the program at religionforlife.com. Here's a question. What is Christianity all about anyway? Who was Jesus? What's the point? What are we supposed to be doing? I've been speaking with a number of interesting thinkers on this very topic. My guest is Dr. Robin Myers, a nationally known United Church of Christ minister and peace activist. He's the senior minister of the Mayflower Congregational Church in Oklahoma City. His congregation describes itself as unapologetically Christian and unapologetically liberal. He writes for the Christian Century, is an award-winning commentator for NPR, and a professor of rhetoric in the philosophy department in Oklahoma City University. He's the author of six books. His last three have provocative titles, uh, Why the Christian Right is Wrong, A Minister's Manifesto for Taking Back Your Faith, Your Flag, and Your Future. He wrote that in 2006. In 2008, he published Saving Jesus from the Church, How to Stop Worshiping Christ and Start Following Jesus. And his latest book, published in 2012, is The Underground Church, Reclaiming the Subversive Way of Jesus. Dr. Myers is with me by phone from his church, Mayflower Congregational in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Welcome, Dr. Myers, to Religion for Life. Hi, John. Thank you so much for having me on the program. Glad to have you with me. Uh, Tell us about your book, Underground Church, and how you came to write it. Sure. Well, I mean, I sort of seem to be on this journey of trying to figure out ways to re-energize the mainline churches in particular. And I've, the last book I did was a sort of, uh, let's go two books back, of Why the Christian Right is Wrong, was a sort of political uh, manifesto about uh, the fact that, that George W. Bush, who was president at the time, uh, was being given credit for uh, manifesting Christian values, and I challenged that in a speech to some students at the University of Oklahoma. They put it on the Internet, and it sort of went viral, and I ended up writing a book I hadn't even planned to write about that. Um, that was in 2006. And then in 2009, I wrote a book called Saving Jesus from the Church, uh, perhaps most well-known because it has a picture of Jesus on the cover with duct tape over his mouth, right. which was a way of symbolizing uh, the sort of muzzling of the true message of Jesus by, of all entities, the Church. Um, that was a theological uh, book about my, whose basic premise is we turn to Galilean sage, uh, a teacher of righteousness, uh, into a supernatural savior. And I talk in the book about how that happens in almost every faith tradition and how in the Bible that we have we can see an evolution of Jesus from teacher to supernatural savior. So that's kind of what that book was about. And I ask people to get back to the idea of following, of being disciples, instead of defining Christianity as a set of creeds and doctrines that demand total obedience. Uh, that, I don't think that was ever what the gospel was about. Then in this latest book, The Underground Church, I took that inspiration, from, frankly, from the Underground Railroad in the United States, where before the Emancipation Proclamation, Uh, a network of people who knew slavery was wrong and evil sort of conspired together to, in a subversive way, to free slaves before they were officially free, if you will. And this uh, vast network of the Underground Railroad represented to me 
a kind of model for what the church might be in the future if it would be able to recover its subversive self. And by subversive, I'm talking about resisting the principalities and the powers, the empire being anti-imperial, looking at the way society deals death and pushing back against it, and creating sort of alternative communities within the culture that could act sort of like leaven in the loaf, uh, if you know that little parable. So that's kind of the, that's been sort of the last uh, five or six years, and um, uh, I think the underground church is the most expansive and, and, and inclusive of my work. I think I, I've, been, I've been pretty angry in some of my prior books, and that probably that tone comes through. I'm getting to the point now where I want progressive Christians to set aside their own kind of theological purity and embrace uh, evangelicals who have a social gospel conscience and emergent folk in the emergent movement to do essential Christian mission like feeding the hungry, welcoming the stranger, resisting uh, violence in the world in all of its forms, to do that kind of work together that would define us as Christians beyond our theological differences, and in particular about, say, gay marriage and abortion. There's a, a sense that I get uh, f- from reading your book and perhaps just hearing you talk now about the underground, kind of a subversive, kind of an alternative movement. That uh, is there a sense in which the uh, idea of kind of giving up a little bit, or I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, putting your hopes in uh, politics of empire, that it's going to be able to do justice, that we kind of have to create an alternative altogether, that the church uh, isn't going to influence uh, the empire so much anymore, so we have to create our own enclaves? Yes, I think that is exactly right, and this probably has a certain relevance in the midst of this political season that we're in. A lot of people are not looking to politicians to solve some of our most urgent problems, and that's not to say that politics doesn't matter and that policy doesn't matter. I think it clearly does. But the church has to be uh, about a different kind of work, and, and that's the politics of the gospel which I try in the book to distinguish between partisan politics, that is, the church being a sort of branch of either uh, the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, and to embrace instead the very radical politics of the gospel, which is that we, either all of us matter or none of us do, hungry people need to be fed, the, the, the world is saturated by violence, and Christians often participate in that in various ways or even advocate for it, So, yes, the whole idea is you can't tell a Christian sometimes in this culture from anyone else walking down the street, uh, except that the younger generation now has a strong opinion that what you have in church are a lot of hypocritical people who are mean and judgmental, especially about gays. and, um, and, And so they think, well, if this is what Christianity does to a person, just simply makes them more judgmental and meaner, then who needs it? Uh, I don't blame them for that verdict, and I think that verdict is at the heart of what's wrong with the church. There are other things, too. If you go to church in America, you ought, you, you ought to think that something is going to happen there that might transform you in some way. You don't go there just to look decent or to please your family or, or uh, you know, to, to, to perhaps get some kind of cosmic reward at the end of your life. Um, you go there to be undone, 
I mean, that, that was Kierkegaard's term. You, you are undone by the gospel. And all of us are. I'm not talking about one particular branch of, of political uh, philosophy. I'm just saying human beings are, if they, take, if they take the gospel seriously, rattled to the bone by it. And the question becomes, what are we supposed to do? Are we, are we just supposed to hear that word and then say, well, that was then and this is now, and that was the Roman Empire, but this is the American Empire. It's not like the Roman Empire. That's not true. In, in many ways, the American Empire, uh, we don't just live in the empire. The empire lives in us. And we, we consume in a way that, that causes great harm around the, the world. We consume energy in a way that, that is doing great harm to the environment. We, in politics, we turn groups of people against one another to curry favor. We've got all kinds of marks of the empire in us, and the church is the one organization in society that could push back against that, because that's how we started out. We started out pushing back against the empire. I mean, early Christians could not be soldiers. Most people don't know that. For 200 years after you were baptized, you could not wear the uniform of any army. And just imagine, your listeners may be listening to this right now thinking, I never heard of that before. Mm -hmm. And now Christians are among the most supportive demographic in the country when it comes to a decision to go to war. So what happened? In the early church, they practiced the redistribution of wealth. If you read Acts 4, it's clear they had no private property, and all they had they held in common. And they brought it to church, and those who were wealthy sold their excess goods to distribute it among those as any had need, is the way it reads. So there was not a poor person among them. Now, you know, John, what they would call that today. <laughs> they would call well, that socialism, socialism, socialism if, not, sure. if not communism. Mm -hmm. So uh, they practiced radical hospitality. Uh, they elevated women to positions of, of leadership. Uh, they called one another brother and sister. Uh, there was this radical egalitarian and radical uh, hospitality practiced in the early church that was inclusive, nonviolent, redistributive, and it was a statement to the Roman Empire, these are our values, and they are the opposite values of Rome. And what would happen in the United States if the church looked at American values that they disagreed with, whether it's the way wealth is distributed, the way we're treating the environment, the way we're treating uh, immigrants, the way we're treating women, the way we continue to be infected with racism, and said, we're going to do the opposite of all those things, and that's how we're going to be subversive in the world. And this term subversive sort of got in my head, and I thought, wow, uh, that, that, is, that is exactly how the church was born. It was subversive for the cause of love, and I wonder what that would look like today. If you're just joining us, this is Religion for Life. I'm John Sheck, and my guest is Dr. Robin Myers. He's the senior minister of the Mayflower Congregational UCC, that is United Church of Christ, a congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And he's the author of The Underground Church, Reclaiming the Subversive Way of Jesus. Uh, Dr. Myers, it appears that part of your goal is to encourage people committed to church to, to learn about and follow the teachings regarding social justice, uh, yeah. a major aspect of, of um what, uh, what might be lost in terms of uh, church today. Well, it is. It is lost because well, someone said, do you believe in the social gospel? And I said, what other kind is there? Uh -huh. uh, a careful study of the New Testament, uh, which is, assumes that people 
don't just pick texts out of the Bible that support a pre-existing condition, but actually read the total document, if you will, uh, has inescapable uh, positions on which it stands with regard to the poor and the and Gentiles, and that's just the other, everyone who's left out, etc., etc. So, yeah, if we read the, the Gospel and take it seriously, it, would, it demands that we change our relationship to all those people who are different from us. And um, that, would be, that would be radically countercultural in America. You've been a minister at uh, Mayflower Congregational Church in Oklahoma since uh, Oklahoma City since 1985, uh, 27 years or so, uh, and it's obvious from reading your book that you have a love for your congregation and its people. Uh, tell us about what makes it special and subversive. Well, that 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 could take me a very long time. I'll try to make it very brief. This this congregation, which advertises itself as unapologetically Christian and unapologetically liberal, as you said in the intro in the uh, introduction. Uh, finds itself in the middle of the reddest state in the country. Not a single county in, in Oklahoma voted for Barack Obama, and most people in Oklahoma are very proud of that. Um, it's a deeply Baptist uh, state. It is a state where there is deep homophobia. There remains uh, deep uh, racist uh, elements in our culture. And so Mayflower Church said, we're going to set out to be liberal in what we thought was the best sense of that word. Not just we vote a liberal political ticket, but we are open-minded, we're tolerant of divergent opinions, and we're exceedingly generous. Mm -hmm. That's the real definition of liberal. And so I'm trying to bring back the concept of those qualities in a follower of Jesus and what that would look like in our communities. And so having been here so long, and it, it's pretty amazing that I've been any place for 27 years, I work on a series of one-year contracts. The congregation renews them every year or could decide not to, and that's just fine with me. Um, and and the, the character of Mayflower Church is, is deeply subversive. So, for example, what do I mean by that? Well, for example, uh, we were the center of resistance to um, the Iraq War before it started. Mm -hmm. uh, we have long had an active group of people who works to abolish the death penalty. Uh, but it's more than just political issues. I also, of course, believe that gay people should be allowed to marry and have performed gay marriages in my church uh, on, on numerous occasions. Um, and, and that's subversive. And someone says, well, the state doesn't recognize this. And I said, I don't care. Mm -hmm. uh, I think God recognizes this. And so I'm going to do ministry in the way I think is pleasing to God and, in, and is congruent with the gospel, regardless of what, what the Bible calls the principalities and the powers have to say about that. We also, as a, as a church, feed homeless people twice a month, 300 at a time. We have a before-school art project in one of the poorest public schools in Oklahoma City because we can't give up on our public schools because we can't give up on our kids. And, John, that is subversive. Mm -hmm. in, in a way, it's subversive to the idea that everyone's in it for themselves. Good luck to everybody. And if you work hard, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, assuming you have boots, um, you'll put your kids in good schools, maybe in private schools. Then they'll go to real good college. Then they'll get real good jobs. But you know what? It's not that simple. Uh, and the church has, the Roman Catholic Church is right about this, a preferential option for the poor. So what are we doing? We're feeding people who are hungry. We're 
providing before-school art program for kids that are among the poorest in the city. We have, of course, mobile meals. And then, of course, you may have seen in the book that we operate this amazing clinic in a town in Nicaragua called Hinortega, where we have established a year-round medical clinic for children that are deaf. And we have renovated a giant house in town, and it is the boarding, sort of the boarding school or the, uh, yeah, the boarding school is probably the best word for that. They live there half the day, and they go to public schools, and they're mainstreamed into the public schools in the, in the afternoon. We have speech pathologists, people who teach them sign language, who teach them how to brush their teeth and use the bathroom. They have none of these skills. That's how poor they are. Sometimes they've just been abandoned by their parents in the marketplace because they can't raise a deaf child. This, this project is 15 years old and draws doctors and nurses from all over the country. We take about four trips down a year, and we have an on-site manager who stays there so that the mission continues to run whether we're there or not, which is very important. This is Religion for Life. Dr. Robin Myers, the author of The Underground Church, Reclaiming the Subversive Way of Jesus and Senior Minister of the Mayflower Congregational Church in Oklahoma City. Some people will, will come to me about my congregation. They say, well, we can't find any others like it anywhere else. Progressive congregations might not, or liberal congregations might not know of each other too much. Have you found that to be true? Well, I find in general <laughs> that liberals are not as good at organizing. <laughs> liberals do not network, and they don't have quite the same... Uh, passion for organization, and they don't see what they're doing as a mission, as a kind of holy mission, and oftentimes fundamentalist churches do. So they, they knock on doors, they canvass neighborhoods, they stay connected to one another. They are much more monolithic in their enthusiasm, if I might put it that way, mm-hmm. and than liberals are, and we've suffered from that. The Democratic Party has suffered from this illusion that if you are just reasonable and logical and you make a case you can persuade everyone that you have the right answers when in fact people make those decisions based not just on reason but on their emotions and how they feel about things we've not done a good job of tapping into that and that's one of the things the church has got to to do in a better way particularly progressive churches have to realize that it's not just the head that we must appeal to but also the heart you write a lot about Jesus, which I appreciate, especially looking back to the historical person of Jesus. And I know you worked uh, with the Jesus Seminar, uh, discuss, uh, seeing how the early church uh, responded to the Roman Empire in its time. But I'm thinking of people who might be listening who may share a lot of your insights uh, regarding uh, social issues and politics but are not so keen on religion, and for them even Jesus is too much baggage. Do, do you think um, there's a way to forge an alliance between uh, liberal Christians and the non-religious? or atheists. Yeah, I think, I think this church, I think Mayflower Church has done that. And I would, I would make the argument that the, the problem people have is more with organized religion than with Jesus. In other words, my experience is that reintroducing people to the Jesus who taught a certain way of life, not a system of creeds and doctrines, is appealing to people across the political spectrum. It's amazing to me, or theological spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me that Jesus remains so popular even among people who can't stand the church. Um, so I would say that just the opposite is true. Now, there are people who the name of Jesus carries, as you said, so much baggage that if it's said, all those memories come up, and there's a lot of walking wounded from organized religion. Mm-hmm. But you know what? we can't give up the person of Jesus and be the church because Christianity is an incarnational 
religion. And that's really at the heart of what's powerful about it. It's not centered in a book or an abstract philosophy. It's actually centered in a flesh and blood human being. Well, you talk about that, and I want to elaborate a little bit more on the phrase that you used, uh, actually, in your, I believe, in the book I mentioned earlier about uh, saving Jesus. Uh, the phrase, uh, what's the difference between worshiping Christ and following Jesus? Right. Well, that, that's a sermon I heard years ago by Ernest Campbell at Riverside Church in New York City. And I was very taken by that distinction, because obviously you can worship and also follow but what happens is we, if we think of Jesus as a supernatural entity, like Superman, you know, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, all that, we can admire someone like that as one admires Michael Jordan for his basketball skills and so forth. But we say to ourselves, I could never do that. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a bumper sticker out on cars you see around here that says, think you're perfect, try walking on water. What that tells me is, first of all, I don't think Jesus ever walked on water, as in literally walked across the top of it. I think that's metaphorical speech and, and, and reveals the need, at the time the Bible was written, for signs that were supernatural. It's the only way you could get people to pay attention. But the message is what really counts. So I think it's really, really important that the people who are quietly wondering if all the things they were supposed to believe about Jesus, particularly that he was born of a virgin, that he, and as a biological fact, that he suspended natural law, that he, uh, he, he, his death atones for all the sins of the world, that he will come back, there will be a second coming, and that all of Scripture is infallible, these are the fundamentals, are not really what Christianity is about. And they're looking for somebody to tell them a, a clergy person to say, you know, I don't think that's what Christianity was about either. I think that's what it's become about. And now you, we're asking people to sort of stare from a distance at this superhuman figure. And we can be in awe of that. We can say, I worship and adore you. You are like nothing else or no one else who's ever lived. But I think that actually inhibits the ability of people to imitate that person. And for the same reason I can't imitate Superman. But if, you, if, if Jesus of Nazareth was a human being just like me, and yet was as God-intoxicated as he was, and simply opened the heavens to us and revealed a God we'd never met before, then any of us could do that. That's rather frightening. I think most people would rather say, no, I think I'll just stare from a distance. <laughs> Thank you very much. But if he's a human... All of a sudden, some of our excuses have been taken away, and he is really calling us again to do as he did, to go and do likewise. It's a lot easier, isn't it, to, uh, to worship than to actually take it on ourselves? Yeah, much easier. In fact, if, you're, if worship means I, I give intellectual assent to certain theological propositions, and I get a reward for that when I die, think how much easier that is than getting in a picket line to go down, to go out and try to close the payday loan industry, which loans poor people $200 and makes them pay back $700. That's when it gets um, exciting, and that's when it gets dangerous. And in the underground church, I, I start off the book by saying, when's the last time anyone thought of going to church as dangerous? 
My guest is Dr. Robin Myers, author of The Underground Church, Reclaiming the Subversive Way of Jesus on Religion for Life. Now, some may argue that uh, you represent the religious veneer for the Democratic Party, but your subversive Jesus would subvert uh, even President Obama, too, wouldn't he? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, I, I, again, uh, I have been a lifelong Democrat, and I've been accused of, of exactly that thing, that I'm sort of fronting for the Democratic Party. But when President Obama ordered the surge in Afghanistan, mm -hmm. I preached a sermon entitled, I Cannot Agree With You, Mr. President. And I said, this is, this is in, in my understanding of the gospel is, there's not a military solution to this problem, and more boots on the ground won't make things better. And, it, and it, it did not. There are times when Obama has done things like leave the Bush tax cuts in place, which I also think is immoral, because I don't think it's moral, as Warren Buffett said, for him to pay a lower tax rate than his secretary. That's just about mm -hmm. economic justice. Economic justice is part of the Bible from the beginning to the end. The idea that there should be a basic fairness and that we ought to take care of one another and it's not just every man or woman for himself or herself. So, uh, yes, the, the answer to your question is I have frequently been accused of being, you know, this is the Democratic Party at prayer at Mayflower. As a matter of fact, we have a number of Republican members. They are sort of the old GOP, uh, grand old party Republicans. They're not Tea Party Republicans, and they're not far Christian right Republicans. I'd probably, they probably wouldn't make it here. But we don't, we don't, if somebody came here and said, I'm a Tea Party Republican, but I want to join your church, absolutely, that would be fine. And there's, and I'm thinking perhaps with this idea of underground, of really making, you, you talked about your, your ministry uh, with, with helping the poor, that obviously people of conservative Christian backgrounds and conservative politics would join in on that in some way. Uh, do, do you find ways of connecting also with uh, conservatives? Absolutely. That's what's exciting. I've gotten to the place where I don't think it matters to a person who's hungry whether they get a piece of bread and a bowl of soup from a, from a Baptist or from a, an Episcopalian. Uh, I think they want uh, bread and soup, and, and they want that to be delivered as an act of love in response to obedience to Jesus. And you take the Sojourners community out of Washington and Jim Wallace. So many social gospel initiatives come out of that organization whose theology is more conservative than mine, but whose action in the world I applaud. And so, and the same thing is true of emergent churches. I mean, even um, Saddleback Church out in California, Rick Warren's church, has a phrase now, uh, we want deeds, not creeds. Well, so something is happening even in the more conservative evangelical circles. People are getting tired of Christianity being defined as a belief system that doesn't really seem to transform human beings. It, gives, it makes a bargain with them, but it doesn't transform them. They want to see Christians out there looking and doing demonstrably different things than the dominant culture. A lot of those things we can do together in spite of our differences rather than to be separated by them. An exciting book and an exciting congregation you have, Mayflower Congregational in Oklahoma City. Um, you can find out more information about uh, Dr. Myers at robinmyers.com and pick up his book, The Underground Church, Reclaiming the Subversive Way of Jesus. Dr. Myers, thank you for being with me on Religion for Life. John, it's been my pleasure.
You've been listening to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. My name is John Schock. I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. You can find more information about our congregation at fpcelizabethton.org. Information about this program, upcoming shows, links to podcasts, articles, and all kinds of exciting things can be found at religionforlife.com, bookmark religionforlife.com. You can also follow Religion for Life on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETS-FM on the campus of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC on the campus of Emory and Henry College in Emory, Virginia. Be well.